Hello, I'm Emily Khan, and I'm your host for today's episode of Business in Focus. The theme for our discussion today is resilience, and I am delighted to be joined by Paul Williams and Bobby Ramsden-Knowles to talk about why that's such an important topic for all types of organisation right now. Paul, Bobby, thank you so much for joining me today for a really important conversation about resilience. Um, Before we get started, Paul, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, uh, Paul Williams, formerly of the Bank of England PRA. I'm here today in a personal capacity as a special advisor to PwC. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. And Bobby, how about you? Hi, I'm Bobby Ramson-Knowles, partner at PwC in our crisis and resilience practice. Fantastic. Well, thank you both very much for being here today. Um, On this Business in Focus series, we've talked a lot about risks of different kinds um, throughout the series. And increasingly, we're starting to talk about resilience in response to those risks. So I'm delighted that you're here today um, to talk about what it might mean to rethink resilience. Um, That's a phrase that we use, use a lot at the firm. Paul, given your wealth of experience, I'd love for you to kind of kick us off with a case for looking at resilience differently in the current context. What do you think? Uh, Great, thank you. Well, I think it's important to draw a distinction between financial resilience and non-financial resilience. And a lot of my comments will be through the lens of financial services, but a lot of the content is applicable outside of financial services. So what we're specifically concerned with here is operational resilience. Yeah. Uh, and why that matters as much as financial resilience does. That, I think, is to do with the way uh, financial systems have evolved over the last decade. The economy in general has evolved. So digitization of services has occurred, allowing services to be delivered more quickly, uh, more easily and more cheaply online to users within the financial system, within the real economy. And that means the relationship between the real economy and the financial system has fundamentally changed over the last decade. So if you give people the ability to transfer money in seconds, they will come to rely on the fact that they can transfer money in seconds. And if that then fails because of an operational issue, uh, you can have a real uh, harm issue occur quite quickly. Public opinion certainly gets outraged uh, quite quickly. And then if you amplify that through the lens of social media, and recognise that the financial system is one that's that's built upon trust, you can get a a financial crisis evolve much more quickly, perhaps, through non-financial interruptions than perhaps perhaps you could in the past. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, although some quite kind of stark messages there about how quickly things can unfold and the impact on on reputation. Bobby, how does that come to bear in your world? I think just to go back to that rethink resilience, I think that the reason organisations have to do that now, not just those in financial services, is because the external environment has just changed so rapidly. Um, We are seeing so many different type of high impact events impacting organisations right now. They are the severe scenarios that were on risk registers for years, but are absolutely plausible now. And so as a result of that, organisations have to accept we're operating in an environment which is really, really challenging. And actually, these disruptive events are going to happen. And the question, therefore, is are you resilient to be able to adapt and respond and be agile to those disruptive events? Uh, Or if you can't, do you have the appropriate crisis response mechanism in place in order to maintain trust with stakeholders? And the final thing I would say is I think in amongst all of that complexity, we also have an environment where quite rightly consumers, stakeholders, communities expect more of business now. They expect business to be responsible. 
Yeah, absolutely. I noticed in both of your answers, you touched on financial services and clearly your background, Paul's in financial services. Our global risk survey from this year has identified a kind of top 10% of organisations that are really getting this right and are kind of reaping the rewards of a strategic approach to risk and resilience. Would you say that top 10% is, is financial services? Is that where people should be looking for the example of what good looks like in terms of resilience? I think financial services has done something very interesting and innovative with its latest policy, which financial services firms are now implementing. And that is to bring a a degree of simplification to what is an extremely complex problem. So the financial system in the UK is one that's built on uh, principles and outcomes. That means we're not very prescriptive and we're not standards based around how these complex issues in firms should be resolved. And I think that's an interesting and innovative lens. That said, firms outside of financial services, I think, have been embracing resilience for a very long time, Uh, particularly those industries where life safety is a key issue. You will find a a heavy focus on resilience. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps in the energy sector, again, where there's a a life safety or a significant environmental uh, risk. I think there's there's plenty of innovation there. And what we've tried to do is learn from those those observable capabilities within those kinds of firms. And then in financial services, translate that into some principles and outcomes which have implemented will drive a high degree of introspection in firms around how are they really approaching mm-hmm. non-financial risk uh, and do they need to be thinking about it differently? I definitely recognise what you're saying there about um for instance, energy companies, you know, in my career, I've had some time working with oil and gas field services, and there is a noticeable culture from the minute you walk into reception and you're you're greeted as a guest, the focus on your safety whilst you're on their premises is, is everywhere. Is that a big aspect in resilience in your experience that, that companies need to be factoring into this challenge at the moment? As in the health and safety? Well, the cultural the, Oh, kind culture of- is absolutely fundamental to it. And I think actually what a lot of organizations can learn from financial services is actually how do you apply and build resilience top down how do you factor or build resilience into decision making and into the culture of an organization so you're driving the right behaviors right through the organization but that requires for me an enterprise resilience mindset and actually that conversation needs to start at the c-suite and the board level and what we're still seeing is perhaps as an you know the conversation still in some ways is focused on say business continuity or it disaster recovery in silos it's not thought of from an enterprise wide um, point of view actually now that that conversation to drive that culture needs to happen at the c-suite and the board level from an enterprise wide perspective and there's a, there's a number of reasons for that. So um, there's a tendency to see business continuity, for example, but IT risk management, third-party risk management, uh, various other forms of non-financial risk management as hygiene activities, things that you need to do, but that don't necessarily create a competitive advantage if you do them well. Yeah. And there's a tendency in business leaders then to delegate the execution of those things to specialist functions within the organisation. Um, The risk with that, of course, is that that delegation can quickly become abdication. So you end up with business leaders who are somewhat disconnected from the reality of the really challenging decisions which need to be made by those infrastructure teams within the organisation. And then the, the cultural point is fundamental to that because what will underpin most of the way those functions work is a risk based approach to prioritising which risks need to be mitigated, which ones can be risk accepted. 
And the risk acceptance point, I think, is where the difficulty lies and where thinking about resilience in a new way needs to change. Um, if you, it seems to be true that there's, there's an increasing um, occurrence of what might historically be described as low probability but high impact yeah. events crystallising in the real world. Pandemics, for instance. Pandemics, uh, wars in Europe, you know, these kinds of things would be in the, the low probability but high impact category. The trouble with that is that risk frameworks have a tendency then to uh, ignore them. And that can lead to risk blindness within firms, such that when those events crystallise, firms actually are just unprepared for how to deal with them. So getting an organisation to shift its mindset from a probability mindset to a plausibility mindset is not something that you can easily do from the ground up. It's something that needs to be led from the top down, from a cultural, from a tonal messaging point of view, because people will need permission to engage in that that way of thinking. There can be uh, incentive issues within the organisation. If you're working in a technical function or a, or a risk management function and you've been given some budget to address an issue, the expectation is you will have addressed that issue. To be able to then turn around and say, well, there's still a plausible case where that event may crystallise, may have uh, consequences from a, from a personal performance reward remuneration point of view. So having the right culture that can embrace those kinds of challenging conversations is really important. And that can't be done without the right culture in the organisation to allow it. There's a lot of parallels between what you've just said and, and the global risk survey that I've already mentioned and two, two findings in particular that resonate. One is um, a recommendation to double down on the risks that really matter, which I think you've kind of flagged there in the, these risks not to be ignored just because they're low probability, but also um, that risk management's a team sport. And I think that that point you've just made around a culture that the functional ownership, we need to work across those functional boundaries to share some of these more complex scenarios um, where the risk will be felt system wide and you know beyond the organisation. There's a really important point in there as well, which is uh, emphasising that plausibility over probability point. If you look at what we've done within financial services, there's really only two significant innovations in the policy. And one of them is that firms must now work on the basis that bad things will happen. So to think beyond that probability context. And certainly my, my experience is that you have to shift your mindset from it could happen to it might happen and what are we going to do if it does allows you to have a completely different set of conversations. And if you're going to engage with a risk function that says, yeah, but that's that's unlikely to happen and we think we've, we've got that risk well mitigated, if you then have permission to say, I'm sure you have, but what if it did? What would you do then? Can unlock a whole series of conversations and explorations around organisational capability that would be ignored if you didn't have that conversation. And I think also what we were talking about previously, Paul, is that actually that then drives the conversation around, do, are we going to be efficient or are we going to make further investment into being more resilient? So if we have an impact to our supply chain, for example, are we going to accept that that risk might happen and therefore invest in another supplier? Or are we going to accept actually that that risk might happen and decide not to because we want to be more efficient? Actually, that whole conversation really needs to start to happen to change resilience in an organisation. And what I think we're going to start to, and we, we've already seen, is actually the call from investors to actually think about and consider how resilient organisations are as well. That touches on a really important point as well. 
um, which is which is why the uh, the cultural point and the tone from the top is so important in terms of how organisations think about things. So, and this this is where I think you can go beyond financial services and think about things. So, if you think about supply chains and optimising supply chains, uh, we're very familiar with the with the just in time concept of optimising yeah. supply chains. Okay? I'm I'm always struck by the phrase, "What about just in case." relative to how you manage supply chains. And that pushes you towards a challenging business issue, which is resilience broadly comes from the presence of substitutes. Now, if you're not careful, that substitute conversation can drive very quickly towards a duplicate conversation, thinking that you need to duplicate suppliers, for example, in the supply chain context or technology systems in the technology context. And if you're a cost-constrained organisation, which organisation isn't cost-constrained these days, then there's some really hard choices to be made around where are you going to invest in non-financial resilience and at what cost relative to where that investment could be made in advancing uh, business value in other ways. And that is not something that the, uh, the, the, the organization can do without the executive being brought into that discussion and making it clear that that needs to be a balanced discussion within the organizational culture. I think that's at the heart of the issue in this, you know, the current climate where a lot of businesses are under pressure as a result of cost of living and all of those kind of economic um, forces that are driving difficult choices in business, the value of resilience is is almost a new lens on it that we haven't necessarily always talked about in the past. Um, we're talking about some quite big questions though now, and I'm keen that we, we get to some concrete first steps that people could take if they wanted to start looking at this. What would you do first? Bobby, I'm going to ask you that question first. So if you were faced with wanting to build in greater resilience, where would you start? I think just having an idea of actually how resilient you are to start with is a really useful point. Um, and, and I would actually focus on the operational resilience part first, because of course, within, when you talk about enterprise resilience, we're looking at operational resilience, financial resilience, strategic resilience, but actually the operational resilience, understanding that particularly those organisations that are outside financial services and actually learning from the approach that um, FS has taken, I think is a really good starting point. The other thing I would say is a lot of organisations are starting to, again, outside financial services, stand up resilience functions and bring okay. together business continuity, crisis management, ITDR, because they've actually been sat separately across their organisations. Actually, there's a real need to bring that together to build the case for resilience and also to understand where is your level of maturity right now. Well, thank you, Bobby. Paul, anything you'd add? Yeah, two things. One, uh, firstly, make sure the organisation has an ambition to be resilient, operationally resilient in the first place. So make sure that's part of the stated business objectives uh, from the board through the rest of the organisation. That's important because, and we've we've touched on it so far, the business case for resilience uh, can be somewhat elusive, perhaps. Okay? I would, I would describe that uh, operational resilience is fundamentally a choice. It's a, it's a business choice as to whether you want to be operationally resilient or not. There are two things that influence that choice, though. One is if you're in financial services now, that choice is eliminated because you've got a regulatory imperative yeah. to be operationally resilient. So if you're outside of financial services and you don't have a regulatory imperative for operational resilience, what's your business case? The business case, I think, there is cyber and managing cyber risk. And I think cyber risk... Uh, eliminates the optionality around operational resilience because if you describe the capabilities an organisation needs to have to be cyber resilient, what you actually do is describe the capabilities they need to have to be operationally resilient. So they're 
the kind of uh, different sides of the same coin. And then having made that choice, and this is uh, exactly the problem we uh, wrestled with when we were thinking about the regulations for financial services, it's an incredibly complex problem. And you've got lots of organisations of different sizes, scales and maturities all trying to address the issue. So trying to prescribe a standardised basis for implementing resilience, I think, is almost impossible. What occurs to me, though, is if you've got a really complex problem, if you can't simplify the problem, then simplify how you look at it. And in the context of resilience and what, what we've asked financial services firms to do, that first step is understanding what they care most about. So if you want to be resilient, the first step is, well, what do you want to be resilient? Back to our prior point around uh, resilience has a cost and there can be a duplicate conversation. You don't need to make everything the organisation does resilient, but you need to pick which of those things it does that you want to be resilient. And that's best done through the lens of business outcomes. What is it our business does and how does it and what services does it provide to external customers? That surely is what our business should care most about. So simplify your organisation, identify what you care most about. That feels like a brilliant place to draw the circle back around to where we started, which is in this environment, what our customers and stakeholders think of us matters more than ever before. And we've had some great practical tips from you both along the way. Yeah. Thank you both very much. Okay. And thank you everyone else for joining. Um, if we have whetted your appetite to hear more on the theme of resilience, please do take a look at pwc.co.uk forward slash rethink risk, where you can find the Global Risk Survey 2022 that I mentioned and a lot more on resilience coming soon. Thanks again. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.